Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. What do the Catholic Church and the Chicago Blackhawks have in common, Lucky? <laughs> oh, no. It is uh, a, a crazy day in the NHL. It's been a crazy, I would think, um, 11 years of uh, sweeping something under the carpet that shouldn't have been swept under the carpet. And it's interesting um, where we're at now in society and how we're dealing with things. And that perhaps if um, Kyle Beach was a young man and just entering the NHL now and this had happened to him, hopefully there would be things in place that would have dealt with it now much better than they did 11 years ago because wow. it's a it's a, a horrific situation where this kid got into the NHL has uh, 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 claimed that he was sexually abused by a video coach on the team, this Brad Ulrich, and uh, nobody did a damn thing for him in the 11 years until uh, finally now it seems that it's being handled. And we'll see today with the likes of... And there's so many players in this game. So many people who knew and now claim they didn't know. And, and who knows how Gary Bettman's going to handle all of this. But you would think, and hopefully, uh, some people outside of, like, Stan Bowman, the now disgraced or retired or fired GM of uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, outside of him, you would hope that a lot of people would be losing their jobs over this. It's funny, I mean, you say if it were to happen today the NHL will handle it differently. It's still happening today in the sense that this is still coming out. It's still not dealt with. There are still people in place in high-ranking positions uh, in NHL uh, organizations that were a part of this, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't dealt with yesterday. Mm. All right? Like, when this report uh, was being comprised, and it came out earlier this week, uh, it was done by a, a law firm, like a third party. Um, and then when it was released, that's when Stan Bowman, you know, resigned immediately for his part in it. But there are still three players uh, who, who uh, well, not just players, there are parties involved in this uh, who were with the Chicago Blackhawks at the time who, you know, had at least knowledge of the fact that this had happened. You know, there are many more, apparently, that had knowledge that it had happened or at least knew of the rumor of it mm-hmm. uh, and didn't say anything. So it, it, this this has been, you know, not just kept quietly by Kyle Beach, who finally told his truth yesterday, was able to, and, and said, hey, I'm the John Doe that's named in this report. Mm-hmm. But every player on that team who knew something, down to Jonathan Taves, who was the captain in 2010, still with the Chicago Blackhawks, who said he didn't know at the time he found out at the next training camp. Well, that's still 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And you didn't say anything or were party to sweeping it under the rug. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Joel Quenville, who was the coach of those Blackhawks, who apparently was a part of a high-level meeting regarding it during that 2010 Stanley Cup run and was one who had said... We got to focus on the game. Yeah, Stanley Cup is more important than a sexual assault. Is supposedly Coached last night after this had come out, he was still on the bench. Yeah. The NHL could easily, Gary Bettman could easily have stepped in and said, "You're not coaching tonight. Mm-hmm. You are suspended until further notice. Until we have a chance to 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 look more into this and find out." Kevin Shevelldayoff, who's the GM. Of the uh, of the Winnipeg Jets was also a part of the organization. The director of player personnel for the Chicago Blackhawks in 2010 was Mark Bergevin, who's now the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. Mm-hmm. Right, 
You'd think the director of player personnel, when a player and personnel of the team are involved in this, may have known something. It, it, it was handled so badly. So the storyline goes that that um, Kyle uh, was was assaulted by this uh, video coach Brad, and that he went and he reported whatever the time frame was. But it certainly was just prior to uh, the Blackhawks facing the San Jose Sharks in the uh, Stanley Cup final. So uh, the only thing they did was they supposedly went to this Brad Allrich and they said, okay, you you got a choice here. Either you just resign or you're going to take a leave of absence until we figure this out. He resigned. Now, I don't know, maybe because of his contract, they had to give him something. But usually when you quit a job, you're gone. No money. They still gave him 20 grand and a $15,000 bonus when they won the Stanley Cup. He was supposed to then stay away. But the management of the Blackhawks still allowed him within arm's reach of Kyle. He was at all the events. He held the Stanley Cup. He got a ring. He got a handshake from management and a letter of recommendation from Quenville, where he then went on to coach high school hockey, where he was then charged with assaulting a Mm 16-year-old. It's it's just so horrible. So, okay, what do we do moving forward? It's always about, okay, what do we do moving forward? You're Gary Bettman. Who should lose their job? I believe, if, if it were me, I think Donald Fear, for one, should be gone. That's not Gary Bettman's call, but that's something the NHLPA has to look into because Kyle Beach did tell someone at the NHLPA, and he's he, and, and to his knowledge, Don Fear was apprised of the situation, yeah. Donald Fear being the head of the NHL Players Association. And this wasn't a player versus player scenario. Mm. The main job of the NHL Players Association is to protect their players right. from the organizations uh, should there be an issue. So the fact that that wasn't done in this case... You know, and, and, you know, think of Kyle Beach as being a, a top-level draft pick who w- was not a playing member of the team at that point. He was on what they call the Black Aces or the Taxi Squad, uh, the extra call-ups during the playoffs to come and practice with the team and uh, and practice against the team, mm. uh, go through all the video work. Uh, he was, you know, told by this video coach that, you know, the coach had some influence with head coach Joe Quenville. And so uh, if, uh, you know, if, if Kyle would put in the extra work and come to extra video sessions, uh, that, you know, this would be good for his career. And then he was told after it, apparently, uh, allegedly, uh, that uh, if he told anyone about this, that, you know, this coach would ruin yeah. his career as well. Brutal. And, and you know, Quenville shows uh, signs of not learning anything because supposedly when he found out he's going to have this meeting with a Batman that he said to his players in Florida, don't let this distract you. Just as he said 11 years ago, don't let this get in our way. You know, at some point, I think he has to be held. And it's it, the Stan Bowman getting fired. That was a no brainer. First of all, the, the Chicago Blackhawks stink. So they were probably looking for a way to get rid of him. Anyhow, the Quenville is interesting because he's in Florida and doing really well there. And so I'm sure the Panthers don't want to lose him. We'll see what happens there. I really believe even the owner of the Blackhawks should be forced to sell the club. The Blackhawks were fined $2 million. Yeah. All right, that's that's basically the punishment that's come down from this uh, so far. Is that After the report came out, the Blackhawks were fined $2 million for, uh, for covering this up. Mm. Right, But, you know, there's a lot of people with some skeletons. Uh, throughout this, who mm-hmm. knew about this? Uh, you know, according to to Kyle Beach, there were players who uh, you know used homophobic slurs against imagine? him, mocked him openly. Right? Uh, there were there were you know members of the media who were covering that team who did not 
you know, may have heard the rumors happening, but didn't investigate it any further. Yeah, it's not interesting. Right. Well, and, God uh, forbid anybody makes the league look bad. Right? Well, well, I mean, you know, it's self-preservation at that point, yeah. right, you yeah. know, you know, kicks in. But, you know, to the detriment of a young man whose life was not, well, you know, adversely affected or, or you know, incredibly affected by Oh, yeah. He spent 10 years basically in a, in a cloud. He was drinking. He was being destructive. He's playing hockey in Germany. He's uh, thanking his family, and he's got a girlfriend that's being very supportive. So he seems to be struggling but getting on with his life. And just the video of him yesterday, you know, speaking, and, and you could see him very emotional, breaking down. It's it's uh, His family have, have struggled with this. His mother felt nothing but guilt because you always want to protect your child. And in the process of dealing with all of this, you have teammates calling you homophobic uh, slurs. Right. It, it, it's, it, it really goes back to the whole frat boy mentality that drives me crazy about hockey. But, okay, you're Batman. Lucky. What, what do we do? Who, who has to be held responsible? Anyone involved. Anyone involved. All gone? All gone. Anyone involved, suspended until further notice, and then you find a way to clean them out. How much do you really like Halloween? First of all, I, I'm fine with it, but if it didn't happen, I, I wouldn't lose any sleep over it. I'm, I'm neither here nor there. I don't like when people refer to it as a holiday. We don't get a day off for it. It's, right. It's not really a holiday. It's kind of a, a lead up to a thing that lasts about three hours. Uh, I guess ho- I guess Valentine's Day would be a similar type yeah, thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't really consider that a holiday either. But anyhow, we refer to it sometimes as a holiday. Quarter of adults said Halloween is one of their favorite holidays. So that leaves a lot of people who... A quarter? Uh, a quarter, so only a quarter. I, it's mostly a young person's yeah. day. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like my... Uh, I've always said about Christmas and New Year's. Christmas is about the kids and New Year's is usually about the adults. Mm. So I guess the same could be said of Valentine's and, and Halloween. It's, it really is something for the children. Well, listen, I, I think the success of horror movies will tell you there's a lot of people who just love that whole mm-hmm. uh, genre. Yeah. Uh, there are some who prefer Halloween over Christmas. I, I've worked with a, a couple of them, and I used to just look at them and shake my head. I, How the hell? Nothing beats Christmas. Right. I guess um, the gifts you hand out are cheaper. Yeah, I guess so. Are you a fan? Like, if Halloween was canceled, for some reason we just said, nah, we're done with the whole Halloween thing, would you? I, I think I'd feel bad for the kids for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> for a beat. <laughs> but then, then life would move on, and I'd just eat all the candy that I bought. Um, have you ever had anybody come into the office around Halloween wearing something that's a, a tad inappropriate? Ooh. I have not seen it, I don't think. I don't know. I, we, I mean, a former radio station, we used to run like Halloween parties and stuff like that, like dances. All right. Every now and then you get a costume roll in. And was, oh, boy, I don't surprise you left the house in that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, a lot of it's it's interesting. And we're this place is, is guilty of this. And, and I, I know it's team morale building and all that. But, you know, anytime there's anything going on, like if the Leafs. <laughs> if the Leafs were to make the playoffs this right. year, you know, all of a sudden everybody in the building's wearing their Leaf jerseys. Or blue or whatever, yeah. Yeah, or when the Jays almost made it in, you see everybody wearing Jays gear. And then you'll get, like, co-workers who look at you and go, why aren't you wearing your jersey? Yeah. And I'll go, well, because I'm not 12. <laughs> I see, because I got dressed in the dark. Right. <laughs> yeah. And these memos don't normally go out until after I'm here anyway. So, um, one in seven people say they've seen a coworker wearing an inappropriate costume to work. 
the most uh, common ones include political costumes and anything that shows too much skin. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're really not supposed to come in, you know, showing some kind of uh, political statement. Right. Or sexy whatever, you know. Just uh, maybe if you got two different costumes, go with something appropriate, you know. None for work, <laughs> sexy none for Halloween. But yeah, I've never, uh, never been one. Like even, I remember getting invited to the odd little Halloween party here and there. Marie and I went one year dressed up as like a hot dog and a bun. Right. But that, and that's it. I have, I have no patience, nor time, nor desire for it. The idea of getting all dolled up. And I am, there are some people who just love it. Yeah. You know, we have co-workers who just get... Come to work in it. And the makeup all done. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, you know, listen, I applaud them. But then don't look at me like I just farted around you because I, <laughs> I decided to just come to work and I don't know, do my job. <laughs> that Joe Buck, he's a pretty talented guy. Certainly he's a very good at uh, calling sports games and he uh, is not a bad actor either. He showed up a few times playing himself, of course, in Brockmire and he was a Really good in that. I guess his uh, his one kind of embarrassing moment was when him and uh, Artie Lang got into it, which was a great moment in television history. If you've never seen it, Artie Lang shows up. Uh, I guess Joe Buck on HBO had some kind of talk show for a brief period of right, time. Yeah, and Artie Lang was one of his first guests, and uh, they start kind of taking shots at one another, and it goes downhill pretty quickly. Oh, really? It's a, it's pretty interesting television to go back and watch. Anyhow, uh, Joe Buck was recently on the Smartless podcast, and he shared this little uh, bit of information. He once peed while calling a Brett Favre touchdown. <laughs> he says he peed in a bottle. Uh, he had to go really bad, and uh, he, he started peeing in a trash can, but he was, I guess looking away from the the action right so he knew that they were going back to uh to uh to play again so in midstream he has to turn around grabs a water bottle i guess over the garbage can <laughs> he's got the i guess the headset so you can, probably can't hear him urinating right yeah and he proceeds to pee while the action starts completes the <laughs> pee and the play it's pretty good it's <laughs> a good stream that's a good stream now, you do play-by-play. You ever uh, had all of a sudden an urge to get to the washroom mid-game? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Peed in a bottle? I have, uh, I have not gone to that length. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's it's tough. And, and you know, where we are in Oshawa, the booth is, is not easily accessible. Mm. Like, to a bad, you got to actually walk, like, across the rafters atop the building. Like, mm-hmm. And make a run across the entire building. Everybody's walking up. Like, he's crossed. There, there are, have been a few intermissions, right? Like, we have, like, basically five, maybe ten minutes. Right. Like, a player interview and a couple of commercials to, to get there and back yeah. in time. And uh, there have been some tight ones. I remember uh, always wondering, too, with musicians, like uh, if they're in the middle of a concert and all of a sudden they've, they've got the poops. Drum they solo. Pee. Drum solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember asking Jeff Burroughs at the Tea Party that, and he said, well, he's never had to go to the washroom, but he's had to throw up in the middle of a show. <laughs> so he'll, like, he'll, he'll kind of nod. He's, he had, like, a signal to a, to a roadie, and the right. roadie would bring in a bucket. He'd be drumming. He'd barf in the bucket and really? keep going. Yeah, what else are you going to do, I guess? Are you a uh, fella looking for love? Are you looking for something a little more serious than a one-night stand? Well, a a psychologist talked to hundreds of men with dating profiles and asked if they were looking for something serious or just a fling, and then she analyzed those photos. And it turns out that most of men who were looking for something serious had at least one picture of them with a dog. 
Oh. I guess it would show if you're single, but you got a dog, you're able to commit to the dog. Right, you know, You're yes. keeping the dog alive. Uh-huh. Uh, guess, so, uh, you can take on some responsibility. Right, right. And uh, care for something other than yourself. Right, you selfish hound. Dog photos are popular in general, but having one does suggest you're looking for something a little more long-term. I wonder if uh, the uh, the breed of dog makes a difference. You know, dude in right. his pit bull versus uh, mm. a dude in his uh, little lap dog poodle. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, does I? Yeah, I don't know. Like, if a guy has like a pit bull standing beside him, is he seen as a little more intimidating and scary, right. or machismo to it? Yeah, yeah. German Shepherd, another you know, any of these. Not a necessarily attack dog, but you know, bigger dog, manly. Yeah, yeah. Instead of sitting there with your Shih Tzu by right. the fire. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I like this though. Men who are still just in the "I want to hook up and nothing more" um, mode and uh, looking to do that post photos of themselves on motorcycles, boats, and shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you're on a boat shirtless with a dog, right? That's. I mean, I would think you you're, got it all going. You're a huge catch right there. <laughs> you're completely confusing her as to what you want <laughs> in a relationship. Boat. He's got a dog. I could have all of that, too. <laughs> Imagine how picky you would be. Like, I never used any dating sites. They weren't around uh, when I was single. But you know how we are with selfies now. My gosh, the amount of photos you would take of yourself to try to present the, the perfect image. Oh, my goodness. Or if it was back in our day before we were doing selfies and we just had the uh, the camera, the Kodiak You'd be at the photo processing plant. Kodak, yeah. You'd be at, uh, you'd be at Black's getting your prints. <laughs> Remember, I was just talking about this the other day. My aunt used to work at one of those camera centers. Mm. And that was like the thing to do to kill time in the mall. Yeah. Was to sit and look at other people's photos being developed. Oh, yeah. I, you know, and you had to be careful. Right. When you took your photos. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't want seeing people seeing things they shouldn't see. Don't do it on the front machine, please. So disappointing, too, when you'd go and you'd take in your roll of 24. Or sometimes, was it 36? I think it would go up to 36 photos sometimes. 12, 24, and 36, I think. And you'd pay for the 36 photos. And it would be expensive. Like, sometimes, like, could be up to, like, say, a buck or something, a, a photo. Right. So you'd be spending, like, 30 bucks, 25 bucks, whatever it was. And you get like twelve of them that were just blurry, right? Just crap. Yeah, yeah. Complete waste of money. Uh huh. Well, and I remember then at one point I got uh, one of those panoramic cameras. Oh, that was cool, right? Yeah, that was ooh, that was major technology at the time. Big deal. Yeah. Uh, And then, but then you get like your photos back, and you get this like foot long envelope (laughs) that comes with these photos that don't fit in any album, (laughs) or no frames have been developed yet for it. And what was the uh, what was the camera called? The instant one with the photo popped out. What the hell were they? Polaroids. Polaroids. Yeah, those were good for your early nudies. <laughs> More serial killers use those <laughs> than anything else, though. Remember the great moment in uh, Delirious when Eddie Murphy takes the guy's camera, shoves it down That's his right. pants, and says, "Here, go get that developed." <laughs> Thought about that. Yeah, yeah. Now the the Polaroids actually kind of made a bit of a comeback. I had a niece who's in her twenties who bought one a few years ago for like seventy or eighty bucks. Yeah, and she was just flashing photos everywhere. They just were so amazed at this new what to them was new technology. You know? I I still find it every now and then you go uh, into a store and you'll still see like digital cameras 
mm. on sale. And not like, you know, I understand if it's like one of the big high end, uh, high end, you know, DSLRs or whatever professional. they are, you know, professional type things. Or, you know, I see them around the hockey rink, parents mm-hmm. who, uh, who have them and, and take professional type photos. But, you know, to just have like your whatever sure shot or where the hell that mm-hmm. thing was, like you've, you've got it already in your phone. It's on your phone. <laughs> like, and the phone is probably better. Yeah. I mean, take, they take the phone. Well, you take can amazing. flip it to video and then pause the video where you want it and yeah. get a shot. And why not? Oh, yeah. No, it's really, really impressive. Probably at the time when Polaroids came out, because every new technology, we assume it's just going to shatter and kill the right. old, you know. So when the Polaroids came out, probably people thought, uh, oh, my gosh, this is the end of the photo lab or this is the end of, you know, normal photography because everybody can just print their own photos now. It is crazy. Like, we have a drawer in our house, thinking about it now, that has, uh, I think, two camcorders, mm-hmm. a, a, a handful of phones, mm-hmm. and, um, like, old cell phones, like, like uh, sorry, cameras and cell phones. Yeah. Like, all old, and uh, iPads, tablets that we don't, oh, use really? or don't haven't, work anymore. Oh, really? Haven't dumped them somewhere? And haven't dumped. Like, what do you do with these things? Well, I guess you you can take them to electronics recycling, and right. they'll, they'll they'll get rid of them for you. I have an old Sony Handycam that we bought when Daniel was born. I think I spent like a thousand dollars on this thing, and I and for the longest time I was really going from the little disc or uh, whatever it's called in the card, camera. Yeah, and, uh, uh, well, not even a card; it was an actual like film, like a cartridge oh, okay. that you put in, and then I was filming everything that the kids did, and then transferring it to VHS. Like literally sitting there and editing manually, oh, like I geez. and and I have probably two or three full VHS tapes of like edited material of right. them, and I've got like of those cartridges. I probably have like two full that I never got around to editing. So recently, I tried. I, like I found the Sony Handycam. I thought this winter, this will be my little project. I'll sit in the basement and I'll putter with this. Couldn't even get the damn thing to turn on. <laughs> So now, let's see if I can find a guy who can fix a Sony Handycam. And then i got to find a VHS that works. Are you a fan of the platypus as an animal? Who doesn't like a platypus? Nothing wrong with them, I don't think. Never seen one, but... Never eaten one? No. Can I have a platypus on a bun, please? <laughs> platypus sandwich. Yeah. You don't see that often. Uh, and you can't because there's only two on this side of the world, and they're in San Diego... And the only other place you're going to see a platypus uh, is in Australia. Right. So I think a platypus sandwich would be rather pricey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you want the platypus sandwich? That's uh, that's $8,000. Probably more. Put the lettuce... Put the lettuce on that. Yeah. <laughs> would you would you hold things like that? I'd have to hold the pickle, obviously. Yeah, well, and yes, the tomato. You, you would hold that. I would take that extra on that. I think with a platypus sandwich, what you really want it just kind of straight up. You don't want to you don't want to hide too much of that platypus flavor. Right. We'll ask, we'll ask Ted Reader about that. That's right. You, you smoke a platypus. <laughs> you don't want to drown it in mayo. Um, the Guinness Book of World Records. How did it come into existence? Was, uh, over a beer. Yes. <laughs> Exactly so. <laughs> really? The director of the Guinness Breweries had an argument in 1951 <laughs> over which game bird was faster, the golden plover or okay. the red grouse. All right. He thought there should be a book to help settle bar arguments, so he created the Book of World Records. <laughs> and there you go. That's how you have it. So, things are always solved over pints. By the way, uh, the golden plover. It's the faster of the okay, two birds. Good to you, know. If you were wondering, I wonder if that. I wonder if that stat is still in the Guinness Book of World Records. I don't know. 
It's a it's a great um like last minute gift for perfect. young adult young yep. teen kind of tween age kids. First of all, when they get it, you have to explain to them what a book is. <laughs> this is true. They're looking at it like, do I, is it a, is it a platter for my food? And Why didn't you just put this on a stick? What do I do with this? <laughs> all of this is on Google. You know that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, it opens? <laughs> Wild. Uh, speaking of Google, one single Google search takes more computing power than the entire moon landing mission in 1969. Absolutely. One search. That's crazy. Penis extension <laughs> takes more effort to look up than the entire moon land. Uh-huh. We don't know, really. I mean, unless you're a complete, you know, computer guy who knows. When you type in penis extension and hit enter, we don't really know what's going on inside that box. How it finds all of that so fast. So fast. Right. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. impressive. No, and, like, and even, like, like memory and, and that sort of, like, the... Those sticks that you have with uh, with gigabytes mm-hmm. on them, right? The data transfer sticks or whatever. It, it, like, those things have more computing power than most computers you had growing up. Yeah. It's the little thing that sits in your pocket. Yeah. The little backup things. Right. There. Yeah. Stallone asked the band Queen for the right to use Another One Bites the Dust for Rocky Three. Really? They declined. Oh, wow. So we asked Survivor to write a song, and they came up with, of course, Eye of the Tiger. No way. Now, you know, I don't know what Queen would have wanted back in the day for uh, the use of that song. I'm certain that he paid Survivor a lot less money than he would have paid Queen. <laughs> Definitely so. But it, it, it seems like an odd one to pick. Like, like when We Are the Champions seem like a better fit, like a more uplifting? Maybe a little too slow. Because if he was seeing it as part of a fight but scene... But, I mean, another one bites the dust. Like, like, what, Mick dies and you go into another one bites the dust right away? <laughs> I think they would use it. I think they'd use it in the fight when he wins. Who did he... Who did he oh, Mr. T in three, yeah. right? Clubber Lang. Yeah, I think it would somehow be used in one of the fight sequences because of that, that beat it's got, right? Yeah. And I think it was, I could be wrong on this, but I believe that I'm right, that for Queen, it was their only number one hit. So at the time, it would have been a massive song. Right. Well, I of the Tiger worked out all right. It did. It did all right. Certainly for Survivor. Yeah. Again, one of those bands that when you see them live, they do it at the beginning. <laughs> they don't play it. Middle. They don't play it anymore. <laughs> we got new stuff. <laughs> Could you imagine going to see Survivor and they don't do Eye of the Tiger? You got your you got your Stallone oh, jacket yeah. on. You're set. <laughs> It'd be like going to see the Knack and they don't do My Sharona. You got your Italian stallion leather jacket on. I know it's coming. <laughs> Sitting in the crowd. Yeah. Be my luck. I'd go to the bathroom just when they kicked it in with your fingerless leather gloves. Oh yeah, and, ready. And ready. they don't play. Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> It'd be a riot. Oh, yeah, they'd be another one. They'd bite the dust if that happened. Jack-o'-lanterns, uh, jack-o'-lanterns originated in Ireland. Okay. But, but instead of pumpkins, they used to be carved out of turnips, potatoes, and large beets. All right. No. Explains the old lantern part. Yeah. Uh, speaking of pumpkins, they're classified as fruit, not as a vegetable. Really? I don't know that I would have put them in either category. No, not putting anywhere near me anyway. No. The category of gross. Right. It's the only thing you and I actually agree on. Is pumpkin? The pumpkin is gross. Right. I think so. I think that might be the only <laughs> thing in all these it's, years. It's a limited number. <laughs> 
And uh, if you're a fan of the uh, scary movies this time of year, the sounds of stabbing in the movie Halloween were made by a knife being plunged into a watermelon. Oh, all right. That's how you get that noise. Boy, if you get ever, ever get a chance, like Google and you're down the YouTube hole, what Foley artists do, mm. like the ones who add sounds to movies, yeah. when you watch them behind the scenes doing it, it's incredible. It is a cool gig for sure. So there you go. If you, a movie like Halloween scares you and you're watching it, just remember it's a watermelon the knife is going into and not a human. Rock Mornings with, with Craig, Craig Venn and Lucky. Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.